Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Socratic Cinema Podcast. My name is James Delicio. I'm Casey Clark. And I'm Charlie Heatherly. And unfortunately today, Hallie Phillips will not be joining us. She had to attend a very important uh, creative meeting, and we wish her all the best, but uh, pre- you know the show must go on, so we're, we're going to do our best in Hallie's absence. Uh, and this week, keeping with our theme from last time, go check out our last episode, Just Mercy, if you haven't. Um, but keeping with the theme today, we watched Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. Yeah, go. It was a wonderful, very intricate film that I had a delight watching. Um, I hear this is kind of the movie that that made Spike Lee like big, you know, like it was his first big hit. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, Spike Lee had done, I believe, School Days before he did um, Do the Right Thing, and Do the Right Thing really just kicked off his career. Mm-hmm. It's also starring Sparkly, Spike Lee, which I did not know until watching the credits because I've this was my first Spike Lee movie. So, you, what? you know, you, yeah, I know. Yes. Um, I know The Five Bloods just came out on Netflix. So maybe I'll, I'll watch that next and keep it because I really liked it. I really liked it a lot. So maybe we'll keep the Spike Lee train going a little bit. But yeah, good first, good first Spike Lee experience for me. Um, good. But yeah. Do the right thing. It's about why am I tempted to do a plot summary? It's been so long. It's about uh <laughs> this uh block of Brooklyn, right? Yes. Yeah. It's about a block in Brooklyn on the hottest day of the summer, and it centers around the stories of all the individual people on the block, focusing on on Mookie, this uh the black pizza deliverer boy. Pizza boy? What's the title for that? Delivery pizza delivery man. Pizza boy. Um, pizza as well boy. as many other lovable characters like uh, Buggin' Out, Radio Rahim, Tina, and Vito, Sam. Sal, Smiley. There's so many. I love all of them. Demare. 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 Mother, sister. Mother, sister. Let me tell you, Demare was my favorite character in the entire movie. Really? really? Demare is the one who I was like, you know, you kind of right. I was like, I like, <laughs> I'm, I'm with Demare. Like, he acted reasonably. I, I like that. I like Demare. Um, I, like, I liked all of them, though. All the characters were very enjoyable and all very, like, vibrant and unique. Um, but let's go around and share our thoughts, our initial impressions of Do the Right Thing. Charlie, you want to kick us off? Uh, sure. Uh. I thought this was a very good In the Heights movie adaptation, first off. Uh, I was going to say the same thing, dude. It feels exactly like how I imagine In the I've never seen In the Heights, but I feel like that's just how it is. In, in the Heights is essentially do the right thing, but less about race and way more Hispanic slash Latino slash I don't know which one to use. Uh, both very good movies about living in, in uh, neighborhoods in New York, but do the right the, thing. Washington Heights. Washington it's in New York, I think. Is it Washington? Washington, right? No, it's Washington. Not, not, I, I, no, it's no. Well, Tell in the I Heights can't. is in Washington, and then it's in, why is Washington Heights in New York? Because it's like named after like government the, buildings. Yeah, I mean, and maybe the dude, you know, sort of helped found our nation. You know that guy. Oh, it's also uh I think it's Dominican Republic people. So there yes, there you go, Charlie. People. 
James, um, when he saw the state of Washington and Washington, D.C. in the same country, just his head exploded. <laughs> I love, dude, there's a town in in Texas named Canadian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's very Texas. Anyways, Charlie, you were saying. Yes. Uh, both the, the In the Heights and Do the Right Thing are incredible at what they do. And I think specifically for Do the Right Thing, it had some of the most interesting characters and most memorable characters, I think, ever. I remembered the names, guys. This means something. This is like, this is a milestone. Because usually I only know the actors, but now I know the names. And I think Spike Lee does a very good job at giving everyone a very specific character. And all of the 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 actions that are triggered by these characters in the plot make sense. Uh, I've heard the criticism that people think that the riot at the end comes out of nowhere. It most certainly does not. Not Spike, at all. Spike Lee is very good at building tension in every single scene and building up this drama of, of the heat getting hotter and hotter and hotter until it bursts into a fire that burns down Sal's pizzeria. So I have a lot of thoughts about the movie that, that we can get into later. And I also watched an interview uh, with Spike Lee uh, about what he intended this movie to mean. So I will uh, educate every one of you when uh, we get to you're it. You're just going to invalidate all our opinions. Yep. <laughs> 100%. Casey? Well, you, I, you... <laughs> I'm kind of in like a similar boat with you, James, that this was my first real like introduction to Spike Lee. Like I kind of have these Wait. lists of... Hadn't you seen it before? Yeah, I mean... Oh, I back in the day, it. this was your first. I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like, I had watched it maybe like, what, like back a month ago? And I was like, guys, <laughs> like you remember, oh. I like text, I was like, guys, we have to do, do the right thing. Like I stand for the movie. Um, and mm -hmm. then, you know, everything in our country kind of, kind of exploded like it does in the movie. And I, it was just a really, really complex movie. And I'm really happy that Spike Lee's not a director to, kind of um shy away from the hard things and the hard um like aspects of race and aspects of intersectionality within um a lot of like ethnic communities because especially in New York you see this a lot but this is you have Latinos and people from uh Latinos Hispanics black people white people Korean people um put into uh like spaces together and they're expected to kind of figure out all of their resentment and um differences and i feel like spike lee did a really really good job of painting a amazing story while also making it very very uh realistic and not kind of having it be a cop-out with more of a happier well-rounded ending yeah absolutely yeah. um so she, I, I, sorry, go ahead. You just did a, a way better job than us, James. I think she's trying to oust us from the show. I'm just I saying. Know. <laughs> I can't even. So Charlie compared this movie to In the Heights. But what I kept on thinking of while I was watching it, and this may sound a little weird at first, but hear me out, is the, the yeah, laugh. Get ready to laugh. Hold it in, guys. The pacing and, and just kind of the writing style of this movie reminded me a lot of uh like tarantino like, <laughs> no you're probably right yeah no, like no. like pulp fiction or or like uh once upon a time in hollywood um in that it kind of 
the bulk of the movie is is very uh it's it's not slow it's just kind of i like to call it like passive storytelling like there's not a driving force in this plot like there is in most it's just kind of like here's all these people and their lives and we're just going to kind of follow them and see what happens um mm -hmm. and that's how a lot of t like that's how once upon a time in hollywood is for sure um and then it all kind of comes to this ridiculous like super intense climax like how most tarantino movies go um right he's known for his over-the-top finales um and so that's what this reminded me of i don't know if one of them was inspired by the other or or what not but uh i was very much reminded of quentin tarantino while watching this movie in the best way it's like if tarantino like focused on real world issues in his movies instead of just making like you know ridiculous movies um <laughs> that's that's how sort of dare you call once upon a time in hollywood ridiculous ridiculous doesn't mean bad it just means i'm uh, offended it's in i don't know there's no synonym i can think of no but zany. i get you yeah uh, zany <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> kooky? a little Quit, unorthodox just, he's so kooky you know <laughs> Because that's why everyone... Well, yeah, no, I entirely agree. I think the vignette structure is very similar to something like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it it's honestly it's, a structure that I really like. Explain what? for me and the viewers what a vignette structure is. Because I've never heard that term. Uh, Well, a vignette structure is sort of... You get to see little snippets of snorry... Snorry? Little snippets of story uh, throughout mm. the entire movie. And it really the structure is just focused around seeing those tiny little interactions play next to each other and then all of them eventually build up to a central point uh yes and, and you can see that in in just like seeing all these different characters interact with uh with one another like you get the three best friends on the sidewalk uh, uh looking at the oh. hot girls as they pass by what, you get, what's the, what are their names ml uh i have no C. clue one of them is uh sdw I, and the other one, the other one, I think is named C. That's um, Martin Lawrence, I think. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Am I? Why I did my know. brain, when you said Martin Lawrence, go to uh, the the guy that plays opposite Will Smith in Bad Boys? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, he's it, aged really well. Then I was like, wait, no, that's not how that works. Oh jeez. Uh, but um, yeah, you get to see that that vignette structure with you know just having those random scenes of of people next to each other. My favorite instance of it, though, was definitely when they had all of the the characters sort of saying all the slurs that they would say to each other if they were being honest and truthful. That's by far the best segment of the movie. Honestly. Okay, yeah. I was kind of, like, that threw me off when I was watching it in theaters. Cause, so it made sense to me at first, because it was like, that scene comes right after a heated argument between uh, Vino? Vino's the mean one, right? Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, you know, the, the, name the mean one, and then Vito is the nice one. Oh, nice, nicer. Yeah. Vito, <laughs> Pino, mm -hmm. Pino has a real big argument with Mookie. Um, and whoa, did I just go robot? No, you're good. Okay, I'm just, I'm gosh, recording online. What are you gonna do, guys? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that scene comes right after um a, a scene where V. P, I can't, I can't do it, guys. Pino has a very heated argument with Mookie, um, and that argument in and itself, uh, in in whatever, I think is very worthy of some discussion as well, because uh, it sort of highlights something that I'm seeing talked about a lot today, where it's sort of like 
our culture has such a love of it's like America loves to love black culture but not black people and and that argument that's kind of Mookie's whole point he's sort of calling out P no uh being like you know who's your favorite rock star prince who's your favorite athlete whatever Michael Jordan and it's like mm-hmm. but then you're going to turn around and like you idolize these black people and you're going to turn around and and discriminate on on you know your your neighbors um and so that's a very i think important kind of scene especially today but the yeah the weird like insult fest comes right after that and it sort of made sense at first because the first guy we see slinging insults is uh pino slinging all the you know insults against black people that he can think of but Mm -hmm. then it just sort of keeps like spinning and evolving and it's like now the police is saying everything bad about italians he can and it's like then the korean shopkeepers in here for some reason and he's digging on white i just like i don't know i it was night it was entertaining to watch but i'm just confused like what do you think the point it made perfect sense to me while i was watching because if if there's one thing about that movie that i think can get easily misinterpreted it's that it's about what the right thing is i don't think the movie is asking what is the right thing i think it's it's showing you how much anger and, and just aggression all these people have towards each other and the circumstances that lead to people needing to ask the question, what is the right thing? Because throughout the um, entire movie, you're, you're seeing, like, in every interaction, in almost every interaction, it's one of, of anger or insults, whether they be playful or not. There's very little, like, friendship going on. Like, even with some of the nicer characters, like the, the uh, like, DeMayer, who's super nice to everyone, mother-sister hates him despises yeah and and you see even between friends they're making fun of each other or or being angry at each other uh i think at one point uh bugging out like nearly explodes on this guy who stepped on his shoes oh yeah it's just that type of anger that you see throughout the entire movie that i think is the real central point not you know are we focusing on love or hate it's it's look at all this anger that people have how are we going to deal with that so, right. so, so the the insult scene then is just kind of like it's not anything plot related at all, right? It's just kind of a a, a focusing on like everyone hates everyone. It's reinforcing I mean, the theme of, of that anger. Yeah, go ahead, Casey. I would say that it yeah that it definitely does play on the theme of anger, but the main theme of the movie, at least for me, is focusing on like the intricacies of the community. So then he presents all of the people in the, com- the in the community that we've seen so far like we see the uh, the group of older um black men that are constantly throughout the movie like talking about the korean um store and how like they're here making good money off of black people while black people can't like have a good business in their own um, in their own neighborhoods and it's just more focusing on that like the tension and the resentment and then finally like having them all say what is like kind of coded and kind of underneath everything and it's kind of um it's, it's really showing all of the characters uh like subconscious and like true colors i guess because the only person that's throughout the movie is that's really um blatantly shown as being overtly racist is pino and so he's just 
accepted as the bad person and oh he's doing this he's doing that but then it's like no racism and prejudice is a problem that spreads across the neighborhood and uh like even going beyond um the people within the neighborhood like then you have the inclusion of the cops and uh yeah (laughs) yeah i I think what was very striking to me is that it's almost like it feels kind of like a food chain like pino starts it and then someone else starts bagging on Italians, and then I, I forget who starts bagging on Italians. I think it's Mookie, right? No. I'm, I, I forget the order, but it's like yeah, each person order. insults the previous roaster. Like it, It's like a chain, and it keeps working its way back and back and back. Um, I, I don't know like what the significance of that is, but I think it's kind of like the whole anger leads to more anger and just sort of like how deep the web of like how intricate the the relationships are in in within the community when you have all these different ethnic mm-hmm. groups together and it's like how do they interact with each other like what are the power dynamics kind of you know like who picks on who um what's uh, super interesting about all that knowledge time spike lee said that when he was making the movie uh his his main well so so i think we all know that the movie ends with two quotes one from martin luther king and one from malcolm x mm-hmm. and the reason why the movie ends on the final quote of malcolm x is because he actually believed more in malcolm x's beliefs and strategies at that point in time so mm-hmm. so i think a lot of this anger and and resentment that they're building up is is being used as as sort of a logical basis for why everything else is happening in in the movie, when tensions boil over, you can clearly see that there has been trouble brewing this entire time from everyone, and it was only a matter of time before before the the shop was going to burn down. So yeah, I, I thought that was super interesting that that he had that sort of argument, especially because it makes sense considering that De Mayer's probably the only one that would follow more uh, MLK's beliefs. Yeah, that that I mean. That to me, at least, always felt like kind of the main theme of the movie was the sort of like uh, opposing viewpoints between you know dr king and was malcolm x a doctor dr x (laughs) brother malcolm you know so Um, oh my god he should have become a doctor just for that reason imagine that but anyways um what like the movie opens on smiley and he's like this is dr king and this is malcolm x and like the movie begins setting up that like dichotomy like the differing viewpoints um and and i think that's kind of prevalent throughout the entire movie like you were saying charlie de Mare is kind of like a um a, a parallel to martin luther king while someone like bugging out is clearly more influenced by by malcolm x's beliefs um and i think it's interesting like it, it feels to me that everything within that movie is kind of like uh just sort of illustrating these two viewpoints and what was interesting to me, though, is that it didn't feel like... I know you're saying that Spike Lee was more with Malcolm X, but it when I was watching the movie, it didn't feel to me that it was trying to push one narrative more than the other. It felt like, here are the two viewpoints. We're not going to say which one is the right one, but here they are, you know? I feel like that's something the movie did really, really well, is it showed so many viewpoints of everything that went down, right? It, it ends with this riot, and it you you're getting you know the the pro burning down people which is i not to over generalize or over oversimplify anything but is more like the malcolm x side of things and then you have people like de mayor who are, are like 
maybe we shouldn't, uh, which is, you know, the more Dr. King side of things. But then you also get these weird scenes that are kind of like sympathetic towards the pizza shop owners. And it's like you're just getting all these different viewpoints and the movie's not forcing you to see one as better than the other. It's just kind of like here are all the different sides to the issue. Like this is an here's an issue. This is an issue, period. There's lots of ways to look at it. You know, we're not going to tell you one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but very, here's the different views. Very briefly jumping off of that, uh, one of the things that, that Spike Lee said is that what is the right thing is up for interpretation in the film. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. isn't up for interpretation is that only one group committed an objectively wrong act, and that was the killing of Radio Rahim by the police. Yeah. And yeah. he says that when people fist on the riots and things like that at the end of the film, they're they're really missing out on the main point of the movie, which is that, uh, uh, listen, these are all reactions to an event, but you can't ignore that this event is a horrible thing, and and people can see those those the, those riots as as you know a distraction, but you know you need to cut to the core of it and you need to see the actual evil that's going on. Yeah, uh, exactly. I, it's crazy how timely this movie was yeah yeah and even if you think about it i was doing some research also is that this movie was basically like a dedication to um families of victims of police brutality so if you look at the um the riot scene the names that they're calling out um were actually at the beginning of the film too and it says like dedicated to these people and those were people that um died of police brutality and then also this movie i believe i was watching a video on it that it was it was released two years before the rodney king riots oh so it was very like (laughs) really a sad sign that this movie continues to be timely like decades Mm -hmm. later jeez um, well, it, it, it's like the Onion article about uh, mass shootings. Do you guys know the one? Mm-mm. No. It, they release the same article every single time that a mass shooting occurs in America. Oh, it, it's like it's like only country where mass shootings happens can't believe that another mass shooting happens or whatever. Yeah. I, and, yeah. And it's it's that same thing where it's like we have all these incredible pieces of work about this issue that are constantly trying to remind us, but yet nothing gets done. Like yeah. I, I don't know when uh, it was released a fairly long time ago, looking at Spike Lee. That man is, God, like a fine wine. But, <laughs> but like, it, it, it's been so long, and you're, you're still having the exact same problems. Like, the parallels to George Floyd are sickening, and they're scary. And it's, it, it, the movie is just, gosh, it, it's so timely in a way that, that I, don't, I don't even think Spike Lee intended it to be. Yeah, I mean, no one, well, actually, no, a lot of people could have foreseen this still being a problem. I think no one hoped it would still be a problem, but um, I I think, uh, yeah, it was very moving, like, striking seeing the scene of the, of the pizzeria burning down, and I was like, oh my gosh, this looks exactly like the news. Like, it was kind of just this weird feeling I had when what you're seeing on the screen looks exactly what you know, it looks exactly like what you're seeing in real life. Um, it, it was an experience that I've never had with a movie before where I see something on the screen and I'm like, whoa, this is not just a movie anymore, you know? Um, yeah. Very in- un- unique experience for sure, though. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Geez, yeah. I, uh, it's got a little heavy. 
Yeah. It's so delicious. Oh, let me say. Oh, just come here. Well, I, I heard you like smacking your lips, and I, I don't know what else was going on. You were like far away was, from the mic. I was about to get to my point. Oh, to get go, to... go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I can't believe I'm, I'm the scholar of this group, by the way. I've only seen like three of his movies. But uh, <laughs> he, he, he's very good at doing that and tying his movies into real life. If you see Black Klansman, at the very end of the movie, he has like a montage of like modern acts of racism. And he is so good at tying in stories that that you're along for the right. You're entertained by. You're like, whoa, you know, this is super interesting. Oh, you know, that's the, the, that's so sad and depressing. And he's like, yeah, this is happening every day. Yeah. So yeah. that's my favorite trait about him as a filmmaker. Besides the dreamlike quality he puts into his movies, is that he sort of makes these movies like hazy memories, and then he he shows you the reality, and suddenly you snap out of it. You snap out of the dream and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of want to turn a little bit towards like the um the cinematography and, and kind of the look of this movie as well, because it has a very distinct look and a very distinct way that it's shot. Um one thing that I noticed uh was a lot of the conversations, typically when you're shooting a conversation in a movie, you do um like a three camera sh- setup where you have a, a wide shot of both of the people and then uh, an over-the-shoulder shot, so uh, like an individual of each person in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and this movie does not do that. It does for most of its conversations, and it seems like mainly the ones with Radio Rahid. Is, I don't know if it's like a visual motif for him, but conversations particularly that Radio Rahim are involved with are shot um, straight ahead, like POV. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but like... It'll be if Radio Rahim's talking, the camera's dead symmetrical, looking up at Rahim, and then when the other guy's talking, the camera's dead symmetrical, looking down. It's almost like the cameras are each conversation member's point of view, um, oh. which is an incredibly difficult way to shoot. Like that's so hard, that's so inefficient to do, because the nice thing about the conventional method of shooting conversations is you. It's it's an easy way to get all the shots you need without having like the camera appear in any of the other shots, you know, um, mm-hmm. like all the cameras stay out of out of shot. But when you're shooting a conversation like that, I don't even know how you shoot. I don't even know how you do it without shooting the whole thing twice, one from each perspective, you know. I mean, like, probably are doing that. I don't. You have yeah. to have the cameras like back to back or something, which is just so. Um, but it's something that, yeah, something that like I've never seen before. It's like whoa, conversations done from a POV, like even getting the height. Like Sal, when Sal and Rahid are having a conversation, Sal's way shorter than Rahim, so the camera's looking down at Sal and looking up at Rahim. It's like, uh, so so there's a uh, that's actually a common filmmaking technique, uh, specifically to give characters power and depower them. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying, I it's like, but I've never seen that done in like a conversation. You know, I I always see that done in like an establishing shot of a character. Mm-hmm. Rather, yeah, I, I it's just. I don't know why it was so, but I couldn't get that out of my head after I saw it. It's really cool, though. It's like, wow. It's super personal. Like, it, oh, it, yeah. It feels like you know the characters. I'm not sure how he does it, but, like, during uh, uh, a Radio Rahim speech about love versus hate, like, it, it feels like I'm there with him, and he's talking directly to me. Yeah, that's the effect. It's great. That's because they're looking straight at the camera instead of looking at the other actor, you know? Um, which is, like, a byproduct of that shooting method. Um, 
Yeah, speaking of that scene, did you guys notice all the fourth wall breaks? There were like, yes. there were so many moments of that where it looks like they're just like coming out of the screen and talking straight to you. Like the love and hate speech, I think, is the biggest one. But I mean, any, I, I can't think of any others right now. But do you guys have, I guess, the roasting sequence? I'm just going to call it that from now on. The insult it's string so was kind of the same, where it's like directed straight at you, you know? Mm-hmm. I... Very interesting, though. Yeah, I love Spike Lee as a director, man. He 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 just has you know it's a Spike Lee joint when you see the movie. And it's like joint. I also love how he calls them all Spike Lee joints. I think it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh but it, it's he he's basically Tarantino. Also, did you guys know that Tarantino and Spike Lee hate each other? Like despise what? each other? Why? Well, Spike, Spike Lee doesn't like it when when Tarantino uh, says the N-word in all of his movies. So Oh, well, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm surprised, just, dude. I'm surprised he hasn't got canceled harder yet. Like it's only a matter of time, right? Dude, uh, uh, Tarantino's here to stay. Like, let's be real. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, just like, dude, if Twitter tries, if Twitter tries to go after like Filthy Frank, what's gonna stop him from going after uh, Tarantino? Rip OG. Filthy Frank's like a a, a small time. A relatively small time compared to Quentin Tarantino celebrity. So yeah, but he was he was big dog in the YouTube game back in the day. Yeah. Anyways, I'm just surprised Twitter hasn't tried to cancel Tarantino yet. Oh, they have. Uh, really? At least maybe yeah. they just haven't been successful. He's been trying. They to, yeah, they've tried to cancel him several times. It just won't it's happen. Like the it's artsy cause... side of Twitter's preventing them. that's an interesting conversation to have i mean maybe not in this one because it's not a quentin tarantino movie but like i like all of his movies i think quentin tarantino is an amazing director but like what is the 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 morality behind his use of the n-word in in charged language like that like i don't know i think it's you know from a white from a white guy's point of view is it fine for i mean i feel like it's fine for him to write the N-word into, into black actors' lines. Like, it's fine for him to write Samuel L. Jackson saying it, right? Oh, no, here we go. Tarantino said, As a writer, I demand the right to write any character in the world that I want to write. And to say that I can't do that because I'm white, that is racist. Okay, wait, is there a problem? Oh. You lost me. <laughs> I, I, I disagree with him saying it, like, when he plays his own characters. He also just sucks at acting. Um, But then it's like... Because Samuel L. Jackson's the one saying it, you know, right? In most cases. Or, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx. Is that, I don't know, is that not a high enough degree of separation? What's your take on that, guys? Well, for me personally, I always look at the intent and also who's in the writer's room because there's a lot of inclusion of the N-word to kind of perpetuate a certain, um, usually it's a certain stereotype or... Um, it's, it just, it depends on whether or not they're trying to make it seem like natural urban vernacular, or if they're actually trying to develop like a story or just like, oh, he's like, they're black. So they're just going to refer to themselves as like N words. And like, that's just what, um, that's just what they do. Yeah. That's just what they do. Just average black people in movies, you know, and it feels like it, when it becomes more, about that and not about like the character uh, themselves like then yeah. that's like you also def- have to look at writing rooms because a lot of black people are not in writing rooms where that was being thrown around yeah yeah i know tarantino writes all his own movies so like it's definitely just him um yeah, he takes well like i think that's a very great point 
Casey, because like I think it's it's justified in the use of Django Unchained because like the whole yeah. was racist in that movie. Like yeah, that's sort of but, the point. But in yes. Pulp Fiction, he has this scene with uh with Samuel Jackson's character Jules when they like after they kill the kid, and mm-hmm. he's just saying it left and right. And it's like well, why. Like, why are you doing that? Like, what's the point? Or there's the infamous part where Tarantino is, like, playing his self-insert character into Pulp Fiction. It's just, that's abhorrent, like, the language that he's using, you know? So, like, I I feel like there's no excuse for that at all. Um, No, not at all. He really ought to just get someone else to play those parts at the very least. It's effective writing. Like, it didn't, yeah, it doesn't do anything to, like, move the, it's only famous because of how, like, gnarly it is, you know, to say things like that. And maybe that's whole thing, or that's his whole thing, is he wants to make you feel uncomfortable and like take you off yeah, your. But there's better ways to do it, dude. There's... I, I, cut off a guy's ear. He's done that before. <laughs> Stuck in the middle with you. Every time you, you want your character to say the n word, cut off someone's ear. That's yeah. just my, that's my Drink, solution. New drinking game. <laughs> you will die, James. You will die. Oh, jeez. But anyway, but that raises the question. Oh, wait, that raises an interesting reverse question that I am uh, kind of, I don't know why this is so intriguing to me, but it's like, um, uh, maybe I should just drop it. I don't know. No, because like Spike, so we agreed that ultimately it's probably less okay for Tarantino to write. Even even though it's maybe a black actor saying it, it's still probably like a little sketch for Tarantino to be writing the N-word that much into his scripts as a white guy, I think was the common consensus here. Yes. Um, yeah. Now, I think, I think it still the, depends mostly on circumstance. Well, yeah, 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 of course. But the the, the reverse happens in Do the Right Thing. Um, plenty of white actors say the word, but the movie was written by, you know, Spike Lee, uh, a, a black man. So it's like, does how about the reverse scenario? You know, I think is it's that, a story. Oh well, yeah, I, yeah. In this case, in this case specifically, it definitely is is like a story thing. Um, but it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, like, I think that that it's a very charged word, and you have to with, hot take. <laughs> but you <laughs> hot take. Been a while. You have to <laughs> it for a purpose. Like I think Tarantino sometimes he'll put words, like. Uh, besides that word, he'll put words and, and senses into his movies that don't necessarily add anything to the story, and he's famous for that kind of dialogue. But yeah. sometimes it really has nothing to do with the story, and it doesn't progress his movie further. I think Spike Lee, in the ways that I've seen him use it in his movies, is very... He, he uses it like a pin. Like, he, he's very precise with where he puts it. Because and it, it's like... And it holds weight in the, in the movie. Like, there's consequences, yeah. you know? When people... Uh, Entirely right. If you say a word too much, then it loses its meaning entirely. Mm-hmm. Or, or if you do an action too much, it loses its meaning entirely, which is why people are shocked at a Tarantino movie the first time they see it. And then like every other Tarantino movie, they're like, yeah, well, it's cool. Yeah, that's a good point, huh? You just yeah. get desensitized. But like, yeah, they, they definitely hold some weight in uh, in do the right thing and, and, and rightfully so. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. Lisa, that's funny. That's a good one, James. <laughs> Wait, what? Where was the joke? You I'm didn't not even. Gonna... It. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. No, but I don't know. Oh, gosh, look at us having educated debates. I mean, it's not. Really I know, good. right? Yeah, I don't think. And I is, even I called it a bait. <laughs> I even thought like I was going through um, other black directors, and I just came to Jordan Peele and how he hmm. also handles 
the n-word and how he um like develops his characters into making it see like it doesn't feel out of place you know and i feel like it's about whether or not it's in place or not and i thought what where you were going um with your point james is would it be okay if um with spike lee writing slurs for other people like other ethnic groups i thought that's oh, where you were going with i it. would say I no know. i mean that's a fair enough argument no 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 it's let's... a fair question but i i feel like i feel like no person should write you know slurs for another group that he doesn't belong to right i feel like that's just kind of common dc yeah. like that, that should be pretty common sense i feel like I, I, you know. I still feel like it's based on the story. I think because Spike Lee did. Include... Oh, I was just talking like in like in general, you know, oh, not yeah. not specifically screenwriting. Here's a, a very helpful writing tip for me, Charlie. Maybe don't use racial epithets in your writing. Just like <laughs> period. Don't possibly <laughs> write know. something else. Use a diff. Just use other words. That goes out to some rappers too, who overuse language, whether it be that type of uh, of racial language or bad words i want Bro, only that yummy, stuffed animals I, I, Justin bieber can put yummy like 50 times yeah no he doesn't get a pass either he can't use yummy, yummy. can be a should be a slur at this point i've heard it too much <laughs> we need to treat it on the same level <laughs> i feel like any word could be a slur if you say it with enough vitriol you yummy it's like ooh, doesn't sound well, right well yummy is like a adjective any noun maybe i don't know why are we I don't Why know. Are we doing you, this to you did this. I don't know. Casey said, "Not my fault. Y'all started this conversation." <laughs> but uh, no, I, interesting. Let's bring it back to do the right thing. I did a little bit earlier. A little, oh, a little, little bit. You know, I suppose. You know, I mean, you tried. You know, I tried. A, a I'm looking it. at my notes, and I'm running out of stuff here. You're running out of stuff to say. Uh, do I have any insanely hot? Casey, do you have any insanely hot takes as hot as the day that this movie takes place on? Ooh. Oh, well, I, I'm going to propose a maybe lukewarm take. Ah, that uh, that's fine. I know you're talking you were... like seventy degrees, <laughs> seventy degrees. Let's go seventy-five. I'm feeling Jeez. like Fahrenheit for any non-American dweebs listening. <laughs> Um, so I, when you were talking about, um, uh, how Demer is more, um, towards, like, is more of, like, the symbol and character that follows, like, Martin Luther King's, uh, like, doctrines, I feel like that's, like, incredibly correct, but I f okay. also feel like that Mookie's character development is deeply affected by the people that he, like, hangs around and then the and then the uh, events that he experiences, because throughout the movie, like he's a very, very passive person. You know, like he's yeah. not super. Like he is very even with bugging out. He's like, all right, dude. Like you yeah. can chill. Yeah. <laughs> and then as soon as the choice between him and between essentially like the partition between his community and then Sal, it's a very like interesting. Um, thing for me because in my head when I was watching when I was watching that scene where he just empties the trash bag and then he actually yells hate when he throws it through which is also a very interesting thing which brings it back to Raider Rahim's love and hate speech and oh, in my what 
Yeah. Heck yeah. Dang. I think we watched the same video, Casey. I'm going to be yes, real with you. Yes, we did. I, I feel like we did. I was like, oh, yeah. Shout it out. Um, shout it out. Who's the video by? Uh, oh, damn was it. It was like Crash Course one or a different one? It was crash some, course? It was some super generic, like, movie name. It was, like, from, it was, like, screen something. Lessons from the screenplay? Screencast or something. Screencast. Screencast. Heck super yeah. dumb. You guys made a great video, though. Yes, very, very good. Um, What was I saying? And I feel like, for me, it was a very hard scene to watch, I guess, because the entire movie you see sal kind of struggling with pino and like saying like no not all black people are like that mookie's not like that and then mookie ends up you know like turning on them i guess is how you can mm-hmm. see it and i feel like that's not exactly the the point of the movie but it is somewhat of a perspective that's been um that's been brought to attention and you kind of see that in the next day too and i believe the the movie that charlie not the movie the video that charlie and i watched did a really good uh job in explaining that like they could have easily ended the movie on the riot scene and that would have been it i thought they were going to yeah but then it like opens up on the next day and it's just a really good um way to to show that life is going to go on, you know, and that that kind of connected to me with like all of the things that's that were happening with like George Floyd and the riots and the looting is that it doesn't matter whether or not a whole bunch of things get just destroyed, you know, it's all about like people's lives. And I feel Mm -hmm. like Mookie coming back um, to get his, paycheck is just kind of like another snapback into reality that um like <laughs> man he needs his paycheck like it's, yeah, it's the like, end of a week you still gotta live yeah it's like bringing more normalcy yeah mookie has a very interesting arc where he kind of goes it's like a rat like he undergoes a radicalization he goes from sort of passive bystander to radical on the front lines uh like you were saying casey it's a very interesting arc um and I wasn't I think... sure where. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no you go ahead, James. You I, I was just gonna say I wasn't sure where Mookie's sort of arc was gonna lead in the story, but I, I sort of saw him as kind of the the passive like eyes through which we see, and that was sort of just gonna be it. Like he's just sort of our our uh, our way into the story. But I was it was nice to see him sort of undergo somewhat of like a transformation in the end funny because spike lee says that mookie's the only person that white people can identify with in that movie up until he throws the trash can that's and you know what that's that's exactly what i'm saying he's just like he's the the person that we're sort of supposed to just kind of relate with and see the story through you know that that is funny charlie i like that i think that uh i think casey made a really good point and Mm -hmm. it's important to remember that i think you should be allowed to have your own you know, thoughts on, on what you think of, of the writing, if it's right or not. But at the end of the day, both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X fought for the same goal. And if 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 you're letting the the you know particular method of a group of people within this much larger movement deter you from the movement entirely, then I don't think that you're understanding it correctly. Because like Spike said, th- this is all about the death of Radio Raheem, not what really happened after. Like, mm-hmm. th- th- there's a central issue to focus on and... And I think he did a great job at 
at sort of giving you the the leeway to disagree or agree with people's w with certain people's actions while still having you focus on like damn things really are hot yeah that's what i i sort of touched on earlier that i really liked about the movie and i think you're you're right about the whole they're they're fighting for the same goal thing and and it kind of shows that in the movie right like at the very end there's the martin luther king jr quote and then there's the malcolm x quote and then there's a picture of them together smile like these quotes mm -hmm. make it seem like there's such a great divide between their goals and their tactics um but then you know we get an image of them together smiling and and it's sort of a reminder that like hey like we're all we're all in this together, you know. Like we're all fighting for the same thing here. Right? We're all in this together, but yeah, yeah high like school that. musical. Yep, Corbin Blue. I think High School Musical could solve racism if we just let it. I we're think that's. We're all in this together. We're all in Give this them together. a Pepsi. <laughs> Give them a Pepsi. Where was the? Where was? Where was that? Corbin comes in with the Pepsi. He where was, was the, that Kardashian or was she? Who was that? Kendall Jenner. Yeah, Kylie Jenner. I don't Good. keep up. I don't keep up with the Kardashians. <laughs> Celebrity culture is toxic. Celebrity worship culture is toxic. Twenty twenty. That's my message. Twenty twenty. Well, that came out of yeah. left field. <laughs> James is very impassioned about that. I will worship only a few celebrities. All their names have to start with Ryan, and uh, end with Reynolds or Gosling. Uh, <laughs> it's a very wide range. Well, yeah, you know, but. Like you were saying, Charlie, I think that's a, the, the a key thing, especially like it's relevant when looking at the movie and it's relevant, like, you know, it's relevant looking at whether or not you support the riot in the movie and it's relevant looking at whether or not you support rioting in real life in 2020, right? If you're more upset about the rioting than what's causing it, you're looking at it wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. You be bugging out, eh? eh you eh? be bugging out. And on that note, I'm afraid we are coming to a, a a close here with our time. I'm looking at the clock, and we're starting to creep closer and closer towards an hour. And while we love to do the podcast, uh, we respect your time. <laughs> but if you've made it this far, if you've made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Um, it's been a been a, a real fun recording session. I had a, a blast doing this one. I think we got some good conversation out of it wouldn't you agree uh, yes forcing yes. me to say yes yes that's yes the truth. you agree don't you and that's the I truth Ruth, i know he was great best second best part of the movie after Damer. but uh <laughs> very Dumare. quickly my dad didn't know it was sam jackson until he started yelling what uh, <laughs> how well because they sort of keep him on like close shots and he looks you know pretty young compared to he's he almost looks he's it's almost like a cameo role like well, it's, it's just such a... he he, yeah. he made a joke if we were watching the movie where it's like that wasn't Sam Jackson until he started yelling. Then he found that he was Sam Jackson. I was like, no, that's true. The like the self discovery. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you liked the episode, uh, go ahead and share it with your friends and and spread the word about the podcast. Um, word of mouth is the best way to promote. So help us deliver the content that you like uh also if you're watching on youtube like leave a comment tell us what you think description uh, description check the yes thank you charlie check the description we have a list of organizations you can donate to if you find it in your heart but please consider donating to any of the organizations they're all wonderful um and like comment share please uh check uh, us out on all our other platforms 
Spotify, mm-hmm. iTunes, uh, Anchor, iHeartRadio, YouTube again. Um, shout out to Ice. It keeps you cool when it's hot. Shout out to Ice. It keeps you cool when it's hot. Yeah, let me just say, people of Brooklyn are little babies. They're complaining about the like hundred degree weather. It's like that's every day over here, dude. Do you that's understand nothing. how Brooklyn works in terms of heat, though? Like you're gonna have to. Sorry, repeat yourself. I. Brooklyn is so close together. And like the the heat is just beaming down on these like concrete concrete buildings and these blacktop streets, and it's like it's so hot when you're in that sort of situation. We Californians, we go to the beach. We you know we chill. You go to the beach. I social distance. Well, I haven't. <laughs> Dang, mic drop. No, mic not a mic drop. Not, not a mic drop. I already not, dropped it. No, no, I'm picking it back up. I'm picking it back. I up. I would never drop my baby mic. I love this. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I think I think that's everything. So uh thanks for listening and uh and do the right thing everybody. We've been so cratic to the cinema. Uh uh uh, uh audio. <laughs> oh my god. Another banger in the books. <laughs>